1: Welcome to the RotoWire Prospect Podcast. I'm Clay Link here with RotoWire's lead prospect analyst, James Anderson. James, good to be back with you this week. We are brought to you by WinBet, by the way. When I sometimes have been forgetting to throw that out there, James. So always got to thank WinBet. Uh, what's new with you, man? Uh,
2: nothing really. Uh, just been doing some slow drafts and Writing outlooks and writing articles And doing podcasts Normal stuff
1: Nice well good to talk with you I um, wanted to take an opportunity To publicly thank you For that pro wrestling tea uh, You got me recently I don't have it for those watching us on the live stream Or on YouTube Don't have it on I'll have to wear it for a future uh, One of those One of these episodes But great tea with full of legends It's wild time in the pro wrestling world by the way one of the uh, legends on that tee james rumor has it maybe returning for a match after 19 years How about that stone cold steve austin that'd be something else you're hitting tears prospect hitting tears 2.0 going to be the topic of conversation today it's an update to your article which first went to the site in november of last year and you mentioned those draft and holds and those drafts you're doing, you were kind enough to include your player shares. I think that's great to know. Cause when it boils down to it, people want to know, are you drafting this guy?
2: Yeah. Um, you know, I, it's not something that I would, uh, you know, tweet out or anything like that, but for people who subscribe or people who listen to the podcast, they definitely don't mind sharing those. Uh, you know, I wouldn't, wouldn't want to share my full player shares, but uh, if we're just talking about prospects. I mean, these guys are, you know, I've, I've done a lot of my draft and holds already. So most of these guys are just for draft and holds and uh, the guys that I like who are, you know, targets in in regular leagues are, are pretty late round uh, targets at that.
1: Yeah, I hear that. It's uh really good stuff rotowire.com slash try by the way to get 10 days on us free trial no credit card required then after the 10 days you can decide if you want to continue on with us or not but i think after you check out james's prospect work uh you'll want to stick around again prospect hitting prospect tiers 2.0 the main topic of conversation but before we get into that you uh you tweeted about a pitching prospect james the other day, and it seemed like it caught some people's attention. People, you're a needle mover. Uh, you move markets. And I actually put Mitch White in my queue, and then, bam, he went in this draft I'm doing. So uh, you put the word out on Mitch White.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, he's actually, he lost his prospect eligibility. So uh, oh, okay. I I'm, I I kind of wanted to mention him just because, uh, you know, I, I know he is prospect eligible in a lot of, dynasty leagues and he's out there in a lot of dynasty leagues for people who still have first year player drafts uh, obviously in in really deep leagues uh really competitive leagues he might he might not be out there but uh, i scooped him up in a in a 20 team league uh in in the second round of my first year player draft a week ago so I know he's I know he's out there and uh, he's not on my top 400 because he's no longer prospect eligible technically uh, the way that I uh, count prospect status uh, due to active days on the active roster because he was working as a reliever for uh, a good chunk of last year. But um, yeah, I mean, I just I got to give a a shout out to uh, Chris from Baseball Pods. He actually traded for Mitch White in uh, the Devil's Rejects Dynasty League that I'm in with Eno, and Eno, uh, I think, was like, why someone traded for Mitch White, and he looked up uh, Mitch White's um, stuff, grades, and command grades, and um, was like, wow, this is pretty interesting. And so I started digging in on it because Mitch White had been kind of Uh, out of sight out of mind for me uh especially this off season since I didn't have to worry about ranking him as a prospect anymore and he'd kind of fizzled out before the pandemic uh had struggled in the upper levels and then obviously we we didn't see him much in 2020 and uh, he only made a handful of starts in the majors last year but after kind of looking at his pitches and watching some video I came away pretty impressed and uh Obviously, that's a that's a good organization uh, to come up in if you're a pitcher. I think that they have a number of pitchers who will be competing for the you know fourth, fifth spot spots in that rotation. Uh, so he he's not a lock to break camp in that rotation. But I, like I don't think there should be a 300 pick gap between Tony Gonsolin and Mitch White. And you know I think that there's a chance Mitch White could just out earn Tony Gonsolin this year. So. Um, just a you know, it's, it's rare that there's actually someone that you like that much who's going as late as he was going. Um, but I, yeah, just, I think that that's one that people should, uh, take a, take a second look at.
1: Well, I think you officially closed the window on him going that late. Um, but you know, I respect that you, you are very open with who you like. who You don't, you, uh, don't hold anything back for our subscribers and our listeners, I took J.D. Davis in the 29th round of this 15-team draft. and hold. I'm doing, Mitch White went two picks later, and I was like, ah, I wish I had Mitch White. Uh, so, yeah, it sounds like he's uh, catching some steam there. That's a great sleeper because I just, you know, I hadn't really thought about Mitch White. Hadn't paid him much mind. But, James, when I get into these uh, hitting prospects, prospect tiers 2.0, Bobby Witt, we know you've been priced out. Um, oh, for five for you in your drafts, the price is just so sky high. And uh, you look at Jorge Polanco, Dansby Swanson, you think the the choice is pretty clear there. So uh, not really much to, to say about wit at this point. I imagine.
2: Yeah, it's not, it's not that I don't think he's good or he's going to be good or he could be, you know, he could be a, a value where he's going. I just think that the prices is, is- wrong on him. Uh I think he he probably should be going around pick 130 or so. Um so yeah.
1: Man, catcher gets pretty nasty in a hurry and the one I'm doing like 18th, 19th round, I feel like everybody started scrambling for their catchers. In the 18th round of this draft I'm doing, I took Alejandro Kirk. I was really weighing that between him and Narvaez, but I thought Kirk just had a little bit more upside. So like Kirk Narvaez, Zanino, Elias Diaz, Danny Jansen, Carson Kelly, Gary Sanchez, and then you eventually get around to uh, Rutschman, Adley Rutschman. Doesn't sound like you're really interested at at cost this year. No, uh, he actually went way earlier than those guys. By the way, I was wondering all those names I just listed off. He went like five rounds ahead of those guys.
2: Huh? He actually he slipped uh, to like pick two thirty and. Uh, one of the drafts, I and mean. then um, I've actually fallen in love with the the early catcher uh, strategy yeah. in my draft and hold. So I uh, the lowest the lowest catcher I've ended up with in any of my last three drafts is uh, Dalton Varsho. and so like he's my second catcher. So yeah, I mean I'm not I'm not taking Adley at all. I mean I, I do like some guy go- like I, I like Kybert Ruiz. I like Omar Narvaez, who you mentioned, if I if I wait on catcher, but uh you know, Rutchman it's just it's a it it introduces sort of an element of you know uncertainty that I just I don't really want to introduce there. Um again, kind of like with Bobby Witt, like he he certainly could be worth this cost. And I've I've said uh on other podcasts this offseason, like it, you know, the appeal with Rutschman. It is, it's, it could be pretty great because I think he could play first base when he's not catching, or he could DH when he's not catching, and he could be one of those rare catchers who actually plays every day. Uh, so, I mean, I, there's definitely paths for him to be uh, quite a bargain where he's going. It's just there's paths for it to be just a bad pick, too. And there's still, really quality, uh veteran established players at other positions that go in that range. So it's just not really how I wanna wanna build at that position.
1: Yeah, I guess Will Smith of the Dodgers came up and raked right away, but it's just so hard to count on a young catcher coming up and being a big plus with the bat right away. It just just a lot of pressure to, you know, handle your duties behind the plate. Obviously a lot of pressure on him as a top prospect. And uh yeah, that's. It seems like an uphill battle at this ADP, which, by the way, you included. But you narrowed down the range. What did you say? January twelfth through February eleventh. So, yeah,
2: it was um, it was the the month um, prior to when I published it, uh, like a full a full month's worth of ADP from the fifteen team draft champions league.
1: Nice. And by the way, in this tier, the Blue Chippers who will be up soon. You broke it into uh, players who you think will be up pretty early and then the second half of this tier is players who you think will spend at least a couple of months in the minors. So this group though, you expect to be up pretty early. O'Neill Cruz, don't expect to have much of him though in redraft.
2: No. Um, yeah. I mean, again, it's just, uh, he's going just too high. I I'd rather get uh, – I mean, as you, as, you, as we'll talk about, I mean, it's not like I'm just going to say don't take any of these prospects. I know it's sounding like that since I've just said don't take any of them so far. Uh, but I'm not going to pay up for the guys who are going um, the
1: highest. Yeah, well, we'll get one to one of those guys right now, Riley Green. And I love it because I just drafted him myself. Thank you, James, for all the work you do. <laughs> it pays off for us who follow you. And your work. I took Riley Green in the 22nd. It was actually Julio Rodriguez and Riley Green went back to back. Riley Green, the Detroit Tigers, is a prospect you have drafted. In fact, three of your four leagues. So, yeah, that's a pretty good endorsement. I think he's your number three ranked prospect. And uh, I'm imagining come main event time, you may, uh, you know, it may be stash in season for for you. (laughs)
2: Yeah, it's actually now four of my five leagues. Mm. Uh, I, I drafted him again since this was published initially, and I just went in there and updated those player shares before we started recording. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I just – that's – I'm not anti-taking a risk on a young player. It's It's about the cost, and it's about, you know, what other types of players are available in that same range. And to me, like, there's just a ton of outfielders that I really, really love that go in the early 200s. But then, like, once, uh, like, Jesus Sanchez and Harrison Bader are gone, uh, kind of like around pick 240, my next favorite outfielder is Riley Green. And I just wait, you know, three or four rounds and, and grab him then if, uh, if I'm looking for outfield. And in uh, in every draft I've done, he's been a bench player for me, right? Like I'm not, I'm not taking him as my fourth outfielder or even my fifth outfielder. yeah i took him year. as my
1: fifth, but yeah, I hear you.
2: Um, so, yeah, I mean it, it's, it's a uh, it's a nice skill set for fantasy. I, I think it could be a five category skill set. As early as this year, uh, he could just kind of struggle I mean it, he's not he's not so good that it would be crazy if he came up and hit 225 or something like that so it's not a it's not a slam dunk but again you're you're getting him around pick 300 and he's got you know close to the same ceiling as uh, these guys are getting taken 100 and 200 picks ahead of him um, we're all going to debut around the same time so I just think he's a great value
1: all boils down to playing time, of course, but Zips has them in 128 games going 23 and 12. That'd be uh, pretty darn nice for a fantasy team from a young kid. I'm looking up. Uh, yeah, he played 73 games in center last year. So you, you expect him to probably take over in center pretty early on. And Badu and Robbie Grossman flanking him. Daz Cameron, not much of a leash, I wouldn't think.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think Grossman and Green will play every day. Yeah. Uh, And then the other ones, it'll just be kind of a a hot hand type of thing. I don't think Badu is above getting platooned. And, you know, Daz Cameron, Victor Reyes, those guys aren't even guaranteed to be fourth outfielders on this team. And they might not be done signing guys after the lockout. But uh, Riley Green, like I I always think it's hilarious when you see, like on roster resource or something like that, they sometimes have top prospects uh, getting platooned. and stuff like that and i mean if if riley greens up he's playing every day because he is the best hitter on this team long term and there's just there's zero chance he would get platooned if he was up so uh i don't know when he'll be up um the CBA will probably be a, a factor there if, if there's no service time penalty for the tigers just breaking camp with him he could break camp as an everyday player if uh the same rules are in place then we probably go a few weeks before we see him but uh, definitely not worried about green's playing time once he's up and i would also expect him to hit quite
1: high in that line josh young of the texas rangers last name spelled j-u-n-g of course but pronounced young um doesn't sound like you're out on him you have drafted him in one of your leagues but doesn't sound like he's uh, especially a priority how do you think his initial run through the majors goes? Over there in the AL West.
2: I mean, I think he's got a he's got a shot to be really good right away. Uh, he's it's a it's a four category profile. Um, you know, like your your hope long term. I'm hoping that he's a guy who hits like 290 with 25 plus homers. Uh, so, really, kind of a, a classic third base four category profile, but. Uh, you know, we'll we'll see. Uh, he, he could come up and go through some growing pains as well. Um, it's really whether I grab him certainly depends on how I've done in terms of filling out third base to that point in the draft. Uh, I think the one league where I did take him I maybe got kind of a shaky starting third baseman and just wanted to kind of have a, a solid backup there, but uh, the more drafting I've done, and especially in draft and holds, uh, the more I've kind of come off of taking Young because I actually do have some, some targets that I like the position who are uh, more established and have kind of a similar um, realistic outcome this year. Uh, so I, I like Young a lot long-term. I think he could be uh, one of the three or four best, rookies this season but um you know he's he's not going like in the end game like you got to take him um within the uh, inside the top 300 in most leagues
1: yeah i hear you that's that third base position is incredibly tough to figure out i could definitely see taking young as a depth piece in one of those draft and holds um but hard to really nail down expectations for a guy like that Right now, obviously, with with most prospects, but especially with a guy like that, is maybe not at the very tippy top among the very elite, but still projects favorably at third base. In my drafts, I'm doing right now, I took Luis Urias of your Brewers. You might, if you're just looking at this board, you'd probably think I was a Brewers fan. I took Willie Adamas, Luis Urias, and on the pitching side, um Aaron Ashby, Eric Lauer. So go well, go Brewers, I guess. that's uh, That sounds
2: like a winner to me. Um, yeah. Hunter Green, I mean, I, too, by the way. I, the the Brewers are, I think they're great for, for fantasy because I think most of their position players are just going to be everyday guys. So. Um,
1: yeah, I love Luis Urias with that eligibility. Yeah. Um, ninth round. Pretty, pretty darn good year last year, too. Kind of a sleeper year. Well, hitting prospect tiers 2.0 is our topic today. We'll be right back. First, a word from our sponsors.
0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America, NA member FDIC.
1: And we are back on the RotoWire Prospect podcast, sponsored by WinBet. Claylink here with RotoWire.com's lead prospect analyst, James Anderson. By the way, thanks to Jeff Ponce for filling in last week. That was a great show. And I love the early Boz talk, uh, those Garrett Cole. Uh, raw number comps were getting me pretty pretty pumped on Boz. Uh but back to your hitting prospect tiers 2.0. Among the the group that you do expect to be up pretty early on, Josh Lowe we saw him for like very briefly, didn't we? Was yeah, debut? he yeah. he
2: was up for a. I mean, it was, like it was not. It was it wasn't even a cup of coffee. It was an espresso shot. <laughs>
1: Two uh two plate appearances in two games. So he did swipe a bag. Good for him. Um sounds like you did you did land him. An outfield man is tough to figure out. I've been drafting early outfielders because I want to kind of avoid the uh the muck of the platoon bats, but then I want to get back in around that range. Do you think Josh is gonna play enough though to really be worth a, a roster spot in those draft holds?
2: Yeah, he's a flyer. Uh- I think he is I think he's a value at his ADP and that's acknowledging that you know he might not be playing like he might he might be on the strong side of a platoon whenever he does play and he might not even have that role until a month or two into the year and so it's just it's just really tough to uh, forecast when Josh Lowe starts playing how often he plays once he starts playing, uh, all I know is that he it's it's really not that hard to see him being a twenty twenty guy, uh, even even if he's on the strong side of a platoon. He he's got enough power and speed to, to, to go twenty twenty. So uh, it's it's just a flyer where he's going. He's going outside the top three fifty. Um, but he's a he's a good speed flyer. Like he he's a you know, there's really desperate speed flyers that go a lot earlier than him that aren't as good of overall players as Josh Lowe. So like, I would rather roll the dice on him than Vidal Brujan at his cost. I'd rather roll the dice on Josh Lowe than like Andres Jimenez at his cost. So, you know, once, once you get past, uh, like miles straw, um, if you're looking for guys that could steal 20 bases, realistically you know low given the cost is as good a bet as anyone
1: the hot button player of our modern times uh miles straw really uh polarizing on twitter god we need this lockout to end so we can stop that uh discourse now while you're on riley green you're not on the other big tigers prospect spencer torkelson not for redraft I got to see him very briefly in the fall league and then he got hurt. Um, And I imagine this is more just about, you know, playing time. It's you expect him to be up relatively soon, but, and you say, you know, you don't, you don't bring these guys up to sit or or like play part time. But um, do you think Torque's going to be like an everyday guy at first right away?
2: Yeah. I'm not worried about the playing time. I just compare him. To the other options at first base that go within, you know, like so his ADP is like 260. Uh, there's just still a lot so of many good ver- players on the board, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's not far after Brandon Belt goes, That's right around where Luke Voigt goes, uh, that's ahead of where Jesus Aguilar and Rowdy Telez go. Uh, I like all those guys more than Torkelson this year, so. Um, you know, unlike Josh Lowe and unlike Riley Green, Torkelson is at best going to help you in average homers runs in RBI. And I wouldn't expect him to be a positive contributor in batting average this year, especially relative to other first basemen. So I just I think he's going to be fine. I just think relative to like when you're drafting a first baseman, there's a certain level of production that you're expecting. And I just don't think he's quite at that level as a rookie. I think he'll be fine. Like, I think he, I don't think people are going to be like, man, Spencer Troglson sucks. I just, you know, if he hits 255 with 23 homers, like, are is that a guy that you want to be starting at first base or even in your corner infield spot? Like, I, I don't think so.
1: Well, this is where we get the tier break among these blue chippers who will be up pretty soon. In the back half of this tier, you don't expect these guys to be up within the first couple of months, but maybe that creates a little bit of a buying opportunity for Brennan Davis, who's, I mean, he's a top 10 guy, right? For yeah. The top 400. So, I mean, if you have the bench space to uh, wait this one out, he could pay off.
2: And the reason, like, I have uh, 75% exposure to Brennan Davis right now because I think these four guys in this tier are all going to be up around the same time, um, you know, within a month or so of each other. And Davis is going almost a hundred picks later than the next guy. Uh, so it just, I think he's such a good value right now, where he's going and drafting holds, you know, he he's same thing as Riley Green or Spencer Torkelson. Like once Davis is up, he's going to play every day. Uh, he is essentially sort of the face of the next great Cubs team, uh, barring some big free agent signings. Like he's their best hitter in the upper levels by a lot. And the speed, he's kind of like Joe Adele where the, the, the raw speed hasn't been put to work quite as much in games as we, we might like. So. um you know, I, I'm I'm thinking he's maybe more of like a thirty homer fifteen steel guy um in his in like his first big season. Uh I think eventually he could be a forty homer guy with fifteen steals, uh, as kind of a, a ceiling projection. But um yeah, I just I love the cost and I love the fact that he's like a lot would have to go wrong for Brennan Davis to not debut and – Play regularly sometime this summer.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there. And then Tristan Casas, I just added him to my queue because man, the price seems right on him. um I'm next up in this first pitcher's on a speaker's draft at 461 uh, overall ADP, around you know, 477. So it just seems like a guy with a lot of pedigree who and a lot of thump. So you know, there's like Miggy's still on the board, but I'd rather chase the upside with a guy like Casas
2: yeah, um I haven't, uh, yeah, I mean I, I, like i've I've passed on him for Edwin Rios in mm. a couple drafts, um, just because I know Rios will be up sooner. Uh, Probably a big it,
1: beneficiary of the universal dh right there.
2: Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, a lot of the same analysis applies to Casas that I laid out for Torkelson, where when you're a you're a big first base prospect, Who's probably better in OBP leagues and batting average leagues, like so? You're you're just probably a three-category guy, at best this year. Once you're up, and that's you know long-term, he could be a four-category guy for sure. But the guys that don't have speed, it really just puts all that much more pressure on them to to hit for a, a decent average as rookies. So uh, you got to wait a couple months. He might not. Hit enough to to be a guy you want to use at first base or corner infield, but uh, I do have one share. I think he's uh, a solid flyer. Like I'd rather take Casas at at four seventy seven than Torkelson at two seventy seven.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely hear that. Um, now on Twitter, James, you said recently that you did the one eighty on Dalton Varsho at the catcher position. Uh, you're too smart for it, but thank you for not saying doing a 360, of course, because that would mean you ended up back where you started. Um doesn't sound like you're nearly as optimistic about Gabrielle Moreno, obviously nowhere close in terms of ADP, but not really a target at cost for you.
2: Uh yeah, you know, I I have some FOMO with Moreno because um I mean I just I love I love his hit tool, and I do think the Blue Jays. Uh, I, I think they plan on getting him some looks in the big leagues this year. It's just really crowded there, and I assume that they're gonna make a trade after the lockout to free up some playing time for him. But maybe they don't. You know, I mean, there's also this this slight chance that he could uh, move to third base this year. Which would be awesome. I mean, that would just be a dream scenario if you have him in Dynasty or if you, if you ended up with him in any draft and hold leagues because they have a pretty gaping hole at third base right now. And I think he could hit enough to, to play there long term, but uh, that's probably a small chance at this point. So, just a lot kind of to be determined with Moreno. Um, I kind of want to get a share at some point. Um, Maybe uh maybe that'll happen in AL Labor. Who knows?
1: Hell yeah, man. I'm glad you uh could take over for me. Thank you for that. Well deserved. You deserve that spotlight, man. And I'm looking forward to seeing you do some damage in that league. So uh okay. yeah, congrats by the way on being in AL labor. Did yeah. they announce that like officially? I didn't see any emails, but Oh yeah, uh, yeah. They um, welcomed you to the league with open arms, I assume.
2: Yeah, um, yeah. You and I have already, I've already shared uh, one of my strategies with you—a uh, uh, league-winning
1: strategy, potentially. But <laughs> a we'll, one-player we'll target strategy. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. I love that. Last player in this tier, Julio Rodriguez. I'm a little surprised to see you've uh, ended up with a share so far—only one. But, uh, and I know you love the player, but you've kind of been pumping the brakes on ETA a little bit. Yeah, video. so
2: the the league I got him in, it was uh the NFBC 50. Um and I was just uh really kind of high on my own supply. Uh just <laughs> I I drafted such a, a monstrous team to this point, and it was like the mid 300s I love I that just...
1: terminology for a team that you really love, and then you start making <laughs> bad decisions. It's just like
2: <laughs> um I mean, it's going to take a really good uh, player to crack this this lineup in season. So, um, I, <laughs>
1: come two weeks I, in, your half
2: your team's wiped out. <laughs> <up. laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I grabbed him in one league. I mean, he's he's the best prospect in the game. Uh, certainly talented enough to be quite valuable whenever he's up. I just have no idea when he's going to be up.
1: Now the next grouping proximity plus opportunity, all these guys, at least on your board for draft and holds and we'll go, go through here. Kyle Isbell, you know, I just grabbed an outfielder. I grabbed two outfielders, Frazier, Clint Frazier and Randall Gritchick, but Isbell was still there. So I said, hell I'm going to need plenty of outfielders. And uh, I'm with you on Isbell playing a fair amount. That first stint was, uh, you know, a struggle fell on his face a bit, but as we see time and again, you know these guys can bounce back, and you don't you don't draw too many conclusions from that first sample.
2: Yeah, he he was great when he came back up in September. Uh, his his numbers at AAA, like when I when I wrote his outlook, uh, he was he was better at AAA than I even remember uh, last year. And um, I mean, this is just another classic. Like roster resource, what are you doing? Like he's not gonna be platooned. Um, he's he's a he's a really good defensive outfielder, both in center field and in right field. Uh, I could actually see him uh, maybe being on the strong side of a platoon and center and then moving to right against lefties or something like that. I mean, he he could move between those two spots. Uh, should be a, a positive contributor on that side of the ball and um the the main the, the two main selling points with him are just playing time it's it's not a lot to be there i think it probably will be there for, for most of the year and then speed like he he could get you 15 steals this year
1: now Bryson stock is a uh, top 70 overall prospect for you you have him 64 right now. And we talk a lot about how shortstop's pretty deep, and it is, but then you get to a certain point in these deep drafts where it's like, and who am I going to get as a reserve at short? And, uh, you know, Bry- Bryson Stott in that mix, but uh, do you see yourself, you know, targeting him, or is he more a guy you just think, you know, maybe I'll pick him up in season? Um, and certainly- yeah,
2: I just I haven't really – I mean, I as you can see, I, I don't have him yet. Um it's a uh, shortstop is tough. Like if, if once you get after once you get outside the top, uh, you know, three hundred and fifty, uh, even outside of the top three hundred or so,
1: it gets kind of. Uh,
2: there just aren't many guys you want to end up with. Uh, I've I've kind of been uh, gravitating towards Taylor Walls, like around pick six hundred, uh, as kind of a, a backup option there. But um, stat stats a good prospect he's just he's not he's not uh, a super impactful guy at least I, I wouldn't expect him to be as a rookie i think he's he's going to be best as a everyday player who compiles stats you know a little bit in, in all five categories over a full season uh but he's, he's not so good that him struggling in year one would be a surprise at all so um mm-hmm. he you know he's going inside the top 430 uh that's a that's a prime spot to to grab Mitch White.
1: <laughs> Hell yeah, I'm with you on that. You sold me on Mitch White. We're only in the 31st round in this draft I'm doing with the first pitch Arizona guys, and uh, so we got you know 19 more rounds to go. And the top guys are Tyler Wade, Jeremy Pena, top guys that short. That is uh, Kyle Farmer, which is kind of funny. Now that he's yeah I
2: mean I, I don't mind Wade or Pena you just given yeah. given uh-huh. the other options there it's just like but I mean not... this
1: is where we're at with yeah. 20 rounds to go almost
2: yeah like that that's the thing is like you and I've always um like I've been getting a ton of like a med Rosario um yeah and like Urias, like you said like it's just it's nice to get your second shortstop uh inside the top two hundred and just kind of have a nice base there um, so that you don't have to go go chasing these guys in the in this range.
1: You mentioned you kind of do like Jeremy Pena, Anything to add on him?
2: Um I I think he's got a a little bit higher of a fantasy ceiling this year than Stott does. Uh just he's faster. Um stott's got the better hit tool but that who knows how much that's going to matter when they're rookies, like they both of them could hit like 240 or worse or better. Uh, I just I like paying you a bit more because I think he's a better bet to get you double digit steals.
1: Now, Joey Bart's a name that if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably familiar with. Uh, you know, with Buster Posey retiring, there would seem to be that opportunity there for Joey Bart struggled so far and we've talked about how that shouldn't be the be all end all in your, your evaluation of these guys, but it doesn't sound like you're too optimistic about things getting uh, turned around for Bart in a hurry.
2: No, I'm not. And I, it, he gets ranked highly on these real life lists and then people just get really up in arms about where I have him ranked and how low I am on him. Uh, but you know, what, What he did at AAA last year, people like look at it and they're like, "Wow, those are that's pretty good numbers." Like that, those are not good numbers for a 24-year-old at AAA last year. Uh, If you're you're striking out 30% of the time and walking less than 8% of the time as a 24-year-old at AAA, there's just no reason to expect you to hit well in the majors. He just, I just, you would have to be going out on a huge limb to expect him to hit better than like 235 this year. So. Um, I also think Kirk Casale is a better defensive catcher than Bart. So I think that's just going to be a pretty even timeshare. So you're not even getting the, the compiling counting stats really. So uh, that's another another example of why I, I just don't really want to wait that long on, on my second catcher.
1: Let's move on to the Guardians. Couple, Well, one of these names I'm familiar, but familiar with, but Stephen Kwan – Guy, I'm not all that familiar with. What do you like about Stephen Kwan?
2: Well, Kwan, I don't love the. I, I, I didn't don't realize he the,
1: was uh, that highly ranked on your overall top 400, even as a 24-year-old outfielder.
2: Yeah, I mean he's. I, I don't love the cost for this year, um, because he he's another guy. He's kind of like the, Bryson Stott of outfielders, where it's just he's going to be a guy that compiles stats uh, kind of across the board for you over a full season but you know the hit tool is his best tool do we expect him to hit like 290 as a rookie um i mean i don't think we should really expect any rookie to hit for a crazy high batting average so
1: <laughs> i don't think you should uh, expect anyone to hit 290 yeah yeah Shouldn't i mean
2: project that, that for any player yeah so it's just he's probably just not going to be a guy you really want to start this year. Uh, I think long-term, I think he could be a guy who does hit around two ninety um and does hit really high in a lineup and scores a ton of runs and, you know, maybe hits 15 homers, 20 homers, something like that. Um, but you really got to like, he's, he's going inside the top 500. I just think it's, it's too rich uh, for a guy that, Probably doesn't have impact potential this year, even though he does have a very clear path to everyday impact.
1: Yeah, a lot of these guys we've talked about in the 400s range for ADP, Bart inside the top 400. Um, And then Richie Palacios, the name I was more familiar with on this team, he's pretty much a freebie, like 738. Sounds like you kind of like throwing one of those last picks at at him.
2: Yeah, I've got 50% exposure to Palacios and, uh, nice thing about him is he enters the year uh, with second base eligibility in NFBC leagues but he will almost surely be playing some outfield if not primarily outfield once he's up so in season he probably adds outfield eligibility as well and um, he is gonna he's gonna run like that's the edge that he has over a guy like Quan. And even some of these guys going like 200 picks ahead of him. Uh, He's got plus speed. He was 20 for 23 on the bases last year at double A and triple A. You know, the Cleveland lets their guys run. Um, I just, I think that there's a chance he's playing every day, moving around between second base and left field uh, by June or July. And with that eligibility, with the speed. I I just think there's, there's a chance that he just kind of comes out of nowhere and is someone that is being started in most 15 team leagues by the end of the year.
1: Now with the MLB owners and players agreeing on the universal DH and Manford officially announcing that Seth beer of the Arizona diamondback suddenly kind of becoming a trendy name on Twitter. Um, So I expect the, the price to rise from around you know, five sixty to five seventy, where it's at now, and you weren't in at the prior cost. I, I think it's safe to assume you're not going to be um, drafting beer at a, a increased costs if it is indeed rising from here.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've I've been drafting all off season as if there was going to be a universal DH, so I um, just haven't really considered a scenario where. Be or wouldn't be uh, prominently involved early in the season. It's just, it's such boring production for a UT only guy. Like, you know, I I don't know. He could hit like 265 with 18 homers or something like that. Uh, I I actually think he's going to be in a strict platoon. Uh, I think he will sit against lefties. So getting that from a UT only guy, it's just, I don't really want any part of that.
1: What about other Diamondbacks, Alec Thomas, Geraldo, Perdomo, anything you want to mention about those two guys?
2: Um, I'm, I'm encouraged by Perdomo. Uh, You know, he's actually kind of uh, a shortstop version of Kyle Isbell where he, he was terrible in his first run in the majors. And uh, he actually got sent to their spring training complex mid season for kind of like a a mental reset because he'd been struggling so much um, in the in the minors and in the majors. And then after he came back from that uh, he was just a completely different player uh, was kind of the peak version of Perdomo that we've known from like 20, 2018, 2019 Uh, even when he was really, really struggling last year, he's, he's never walked at, like less than a 12% clip in pro ball. Um, so, I mean, I think he has a, a strong handle of the zone. You know, maybe there's some passiveness in there that, that ups that walk rate, but uh, he's got speed. I think, you know, what? how much longer do the Diamondbacks need to see Nick Ahmed in an everyday role? Like, I, I can't imagine that they are dying to roll him out there every day uh, another season, so. Uh, I like Perdomo, given what we talked about with shortstop, and given that he's going after pick 600. And then uh, Thomas is obviously he's the, the high end prospect of this bunch. He's uh, definitely going to play every day once he's up. Um, I mean, part of part of the reason I like Dalton Varsho is is part of the reason why you should you should maybe like Alec Thomas if you think he's going to hit right away, because he could be the Diamondbacks third or fourth best hitter as a rookie. Like it's, it's that kind of pathetic of a depth chart. Um, so I, I haven't ended up with him just cause I am not sold that he hits the ground running. And uh, I don't really know when he's going to be up. It might be a couple months, but there, there's a case to have Thomas up, um, up in that tier above this, honestly.
1: Now under the, Pittsburgh Pirates. I know you like what this system has kind of become and what they've done with this new regime. Uh, but for 2022, any guys here that you uh, would like to draft uh, among the prospects?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, 75% exposure to Travis Swaggerty <laughs> and I would expect that to uh, that uh, exposure rate to continue to climb in uh, these, these next two drafts that I'm in right now. Um
1: Adding him to my queue as we speak. Thank you. <laughs> he's just—he's such
2: a—it's such a perfect fantasy situation, you know. He's—he's he's on the Pirates. Uh, he's basically got to get past Anthony Alford and Ben Gamel, and uh, he's on the forty-man. He's their best defensive outfielder. He's got easy plus speed um He started to tap into more power in 2020 and 2021 before he got hurt. um So yeah, I mean, he certainly could flop. I mean, he could hit 200 or 220 or something like that and just uh, get sent back to Triple A. Um, anything like that is in play, but I mean, he's going at pick 700. So I just think there's a there's a chance that Swaggerty's getting drafted as like a top 200 guy next year just because of that speed and that opportunity.
1: Yes. To thank you for that wrestling tee you got me. I'm going to get you a 75% Travis Swaggerty exposure tee. <laughs> now, also on this Pirates team, Diego Castillo, the other Diego Castillo, I guess. Any chance he becomes the uh, primary Diego Castillo in the minds <laughs> of fantasy players?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely could happen, uh, especially since the other Diego Castillo is one of like five closers in Seattle
1: right now. So. Um, yeah he could uh he's already kind of lost in the shuffle it's could, uh be even more so this year with with castillo that he
2: lacks uh that that really high-end tool like swaggerty's speed but um he's a good all-around player i mean he might be 50s across the board uh maybe even a 55 hip tool so obviously there's opportunity there like it's just You know, Kevin Newman is probably there opening day, second baseman. Um, They got Cole Tucker hanging around and just really middling options. So I I don't know when Castillo gets a shot, but I assume he gets a shot sometime this summer.
1: Well, we got to take care of a little bit of business right now. I hope you'll bear with us and we'll continue on with hitting prospect tiers 2.0 momentarily. But Winbet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try, try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in nine states, Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. While rapidly expanding at WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. Register for WinBet today. Make a qualifying deposit and wager to receive $200 in free bets. Promotion may vary by state. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for Rotowires fantasy podcasts. Also, experience a new way to play daily fantasy sports on Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is an exciting player prop fantasy contest. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Sign up for Thrive Fantasy today and receive a free 6-month RotoWire subscription. Here's how you can claim your free RotoWire subscription. Visit rotowire.com/thrive. Deposit a minimum of 10 bucks and receive a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. Then finally play in your first paid contest and receive that free six-month Rotowire subscription. James, uh, another name bandied about with the Universal DH, Juan Yepez. Um, what can you tell us? Is he a guy who's a realistic candidate for regular at-bats in St. Louis?
2: I mean, I think he's a realistic candidate to uh, be given a chance to earn every day at-bats. Uh, like, it's Paul DeYoung is like their best option at DH right now. And, um, you know, you know the, Paul young guy? Well, yeah. the thing about Yepes is I'm not sure Yapes is going to be better than Paul DeYoung. So, oh. um,
1: Paul DeYoung's, I mean, not that bad. No, he, oh. I mean, he's, yeah, he, he is what he I is. I mean, he's, he's not
2: great. <laughs> like, like Juan Yepes is probably never going to have as good of a year in the majors as Paul DeYoung's best year. So, yeah, he had some good years. Um, like, I think he could get a look. Like he's he's a guy to keep an eye on in spring training because he's um, he's on the forty man. Uh, there's obviously kind of a pathway there. Uh, you know, Paul DeYoung might even like. It's not like Edmundo Sosa is an immovable object at shortstop. So, um,
1: the irresistible force meets the immovable object. <laughs> I think
2: like Yipes Yepes could have could could earn a. Uh, earned some playing time with like a big spring, I think. Um, but I, he's kind of, you know, I like him more than Seth Beer. but again, it's, you know, for a guy who is going to be playing at either first base, corner, or util for you, there's a certain level of production that I would like to get there, and I'm not sure that you're going to get that from your Pez, and one. one
1: Before we get to the proximity without opportunities here, the guys who are appear f- fairly well blocked right now the Rockies Ella Harris Montero Ryan velade any reason to uh consider those guys in the end game
2: yeah I mean I I took Velade in one league with like my second to last pick um it's you know he he's got a pretty good hit tool especially by you know a lot of the recent Rockies prospects who've come up in uh the last like three years or so they've been Guys with shaky hit tools, where we're we're hoping that Coors can prop it up. Uh, but Velotti's best tool is his hit tool. Like he might he might have a plus hit tool, um, so he could be a guy that helps a little bit with batting average. And if you get him super late in a DC, you could just if he if he is playing almost every day, you could just start him at home uh, when you're in a pinch. Obviously, wouldn't use any of these Rockies guys on the road in NFC leagues, but. Um, yeah, I think I think velotti has got a shot to be useful. Uh, Montero, he's he's more kind of the latter where he's a shaky hit tool guy where your open course kind of props him up a little bit. Uh, but he also is third base eligible. So if you're just looking to grab a guy that might play a little bit uh, with third base eligibility uh, with one of your last picks, Montero's fine too.
1: Yeah, those like obviously with the midweek lineup changes, being able to put a Rockies hitter at cores in for like a three game weekend set is pretty nice, especially if you're, you know, desperate and just seeing home at Colorado's uh, a little reassuring, I guess. Um, yeah, I, um, there were, I was looking at that Colorado outfield, man. I mean, what? pretty bad. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, Tapia. <laughs> I mean, I guess he's still got Blackman there, but I imagine he DHs quite a bit. Uh, people seem to be on Connor Joe for some reason. Uh, I guess he had a little bit of. <laughs> I mean, um,
2: like I, yeah, I mean Connor Joe, five was, guy. It's yeah, you know, he's not a, he's not great, but uh, he's probably their, I don't know, just doing the math, like he's probably their fourth. He's he's their fourth or fifth best hitter, Connor Joe. So oh um, man yeah do it do with that what you
1: will <laughs> they are not tearing it down either they, they still fancy well, those, look, uh, contenders. You, don't,
2: you don't break apart a good thing
1: they're perennial contenders you don't break apart a juggernaut like you, that.
2: No. I, lo- I love how you're like well i was looking at their outfield um i mean just look at any of any <laughs> spot on their depth chart and it's yeah it's, it's pretty pretty
1: freaking ugly i mean yeah and garrett hampson too i mean he's He's basically a, a wash at this point, not really having any real expectations for him myself, but let's get to this proximity without opportunity tier. Just guys who, you know, may have some talent in some cases, like with MJ Melendez, is a lot of talent, but just so hard to see that path. Now, sometimes that, you know, inability to see the path can, you know, hold you back from, from getting a good player who ends up playing more than you expect. But, Got to be realistic with playing time. And guy like Vidal Brujan, they just have so many options at his spots that um, it really, I think you should be conservative, extra conservative with playing time.
2: Yeah, I mean, the nice thing with guys like, uh, you know, Jose Miranda, MJ Melendez, Jake Berger. uh, I mean, honestly, the nice thing with most of these guys is that they might be one injury away, mm-hmm. uh, and it could be to any number of guys that could that could open up that opportunity. Um, with Bruhan, ob- obviously he has the highest fantasy ceiling in this tier because of the speed. But I don't even like. We don't even know for sure that Bruhan's one injury away. Um, exactly. Just, the the Rays have have. Still, really nice depth, even after getting rid of like Joey Wendell. Um, they and they might not be done this off season either. Uh, he's he's a total flyer, Bruhan. Um, you you should not feel confident at all that he's going to be playing every day within the first few months of the year. I mean, th- there might not even be a single like two week stretch this season where Bruhan's playing every day. So. Um, Hmm. he's just a total flyer
1: yeah with all the platooning and just all the other options they have it's it's just so hard to know well in some cases there just isn't a one man one next man up because there'll probably be like two or three next men up and it's just so hard to pinpoint who who would be if if there were Um, and Melendez you know he's probably just that one injury away to Sal Perez from getting his opportunity Perez did have Tommy John but man he's been a workhorse so seems like people just uh, maybe he's kind of being drafted as, you know, that handcuff in some leagues, but it seems like most people just assuming that Perez is going to be healthy and playing every day. And um, with a lot of Hunter Dozier at DH, Ryan O'Hearn, Sal Perez,
2: you know, I, I would be, I would probably have at least a share or two of Melendez. If you we were going like a hundred picks later, uh, it's just, Like he could play in left field. He could play at third base. He could play at DH. Like he's not a catcher only type of guy, but you know, what would have to happen for him to play third base or left field? Like this, someone got to get hurt. Uh, Probably. Um, Now would they be willing to just bring him up and have him DH a ton? Maybe, DH Sal Perez a little bit and have Melinda's catch on those days. Like that, that could work. I think uh, like Hunter Dozier does not need to get every day playing time. Certainly. So um, like there, there's ways of Melendez getting into the mix, but uh, you do kind of, I'm surprised he's going just inside the top 400. Like you've got to pay up a little bit.
1: And Nolan Gorman, a name we're pretty familiar with. Um, that Cardinals team also seems like it may, be, it may be needing to add a piece or two. We talked about, you know, Edmundo Sosa and you know, others. Uh, is Nolan Gorman a realistic candidate to play a lot this year, or do you not really see it with him? Well,
2: he could, you know, if if, uh, if they need a guy at second base or they need a guy at third base, they could turn to Gorman, certainly. Uh I just – I don't get the vibe from Gorman that he's a guy that you want to have on your fantasy team as a rookie because he might be just kind of a – you know, even in his best years, he might be a guy who hits like 255 with 30 bombs, something like – like he could be maybe um, Mike Moustakis with a lower OBP or something like that. Uh, And it's just – I don't – I don't want – that player as a rookie right like it's just if that's sort of the if that's the upside um I almost kind of expect a guy like that to struggle as a rookie so it's just not not a guy I'm really interested in for 2022.
1: Nice and then finally the quality long shots some some names here but just completely wild cards in terms of you know when they'll get called up how much they'll play Pedro Leon we talked about a little bit anything to add i think we talked about him on the first prospect show of the year but no um, nothing um, really to add I mean, there
2: honestly we we don't really have to spend much time or we don't really have to spend yeah run out of time, any time anyway. on these guys like it's just these are these are guys that could be fab fab options like in july uh mm-hmm. they're not guys where i expect any of these guys up in the first couple of months uh, I listed C.J. Abrams just because he's getting drafted, like, inside the top 650, but I don't think C.J. Abrams is in the majors at all this year. Uh, you know, the then, I mean, in that that next tier down, um, like, I, I do want to caution people. Like, like, I don't think people should be drafting uh, Jaron Duran or Nick Prado where they're getting drafted right now. Uh, doesn't seem like I, you're a
1: Matt Veerling guy.
2: No, no, I'm not. <laughs> um, I mean, that one, I I don't understand how that. I, I think it's just
1: their depth chart is so thin.
2: Yeah. Well, do people seriously think the Phillies are just gonna the lockout's gonna end and the Phillies are like, okay, great. Well, we've got we got <laughs> Veerling, we got Moniac, um, we're all set. Um, <laughs> like, no, uh, the Phillies the Phillies will be quite active after the lockout. Uh, Veerling. Fearling was terrible at AAA last year. And, like, why, why do people care more about what he did in the majors in a small sample than what he did at AAA in a large sample? I don't
1: understand that. Yeah, I was poking around just updating their, like, DH depth chart for Philly. It was just like, I don't have enough guys to fill these spots. No. So I added Moniac this, back into the mix. Yeah. And, yeah. It's and that's,
2: like, that's part of the thing with um, Duran, too. Like, people have to understand, like, the, these depth charts are not in concrete, like there's far
1: from it. I expect so So, much activity once things clear up
2: and it, and it seems pretty clear to me that like the, the big market teams basically sat it out before the lockout. And it was the teams like Texas who were just kind of willing to overpay on guys to get them to sign. Right. Like the tigers. Yeah. Like those, those big market teams mostly, didn't do anything before the lockout and they're, they're going to be ready to spend money uh, afterwards.
1: The big market teams were that were in a decent position. The Mets were just desperate, but yeah, <laughs> I, I hear you. Um, By the way, Nick Lodolo, Riever San Martin sitting there in this uh, draft. Maybe I'll have to pair them up with Hunter green.
2: Well, we'll be, we'll be talking about those guys next week because I'm, I'm, uh, almost done with the pitching tiers 2.0 and, uh, those, those three Reds pitchers uh, are on a nice little tier together.
1: Yeah, man. I, I don't know <laughs> which ones uh, to target, to be completely honest. Probably none of them. But <laughs> or all, I, of, all I, of them. I do kind of like Hunter Green at, at cost, but uh, he's not a freebie either. you got to spend a pretty valuable bench spot on him. Well, thanks so much, James. Your work for Rotowire is invaluable. Anything else today on your mind? By the way, Aaron uh, Rodgers and Shailene Woodley, big news during the pod, have called off their engagement.
2: Oh, wow. How about that?
1: <laughs> James's reaction on the show. Uh, you get that little bit to to end the show. Um, anything else, though? I cut you off.
2: Oh, uh, no, no. Uh, this is, this is great. Uh, yeah, great. Like I said, chatting. next week we'll be doing the, the picture to
1: Awesome, man. Look forward to it. Hope you can join us either live or on your usual channels with the pod. Thank you. We'll be back next week on the RotoWire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by WinBet.
4: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality.